Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to continue um, dealing with the matter of grace reigning through righteousness. And I hope I want to wrap up Joshua 3 now in this session. I've been speaking recently from Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. Let's just read it, just for the record, for those of you that haven't been with us. Joshua is about to take Jericho, and he's, he's poised for it. But be, before that, God says this to him. And he must say to the people to sanctify yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do. The Lord will do wonders among you. The wonders there was the destruction or the conquest. Everyone say conquest. Jericho will be a first fruit among many cities in the entirety of the land. It will be a first of many. So before the first, God says to Joshua, the conquest is going to be activated by a consecration. Okay. Put, put the King James or the NASB, right? NASB says, consecrate yourself. So there's no conquest without consecration. Purity is prerequisite to possession. So you have to, your, your purity is going to be your authorization to possess many things. So I titled this, I started to type notes again because I need to send them out globally as I would as I did in the past. So I sat literally the whole of yesterday afternoon giving sort of structure to this message and putting it in formats that we usually would send out and would be posted to my website. So I was thinking of a title. So I entitled this, this specific segment, Righteous Consecration Generates Graceful Conquests. Say this after me. Righteous Consecration Generates Graceful Conquests. So you have two ideas. You have the two ideas of consecration and conquest, of righteousness and grace. So righteous consecration generates graceful um, conquests. Okay. So Joshua had to do certain things before he would take Jericho, and his preparation was key to his success. Um, up to this point, this is our third segment in dealing with this verse. I said to you there were two prerequisites. The one was faith and belief. Remember last week we did that. Um, uh, the scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. So in righteousness is the whole disposition of believing God, not doubting him, but and not swaying from your position. Coming to a place of absolute firm faith in God. And the second requirement was consecration. There are obviously many others that you could list, but for our purposes, I'm simply highlighting two. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow I will do wonders. And we said the word do is asa, which means it has the ideas of construction and of creation uh, embedded within it. And the idea of completing something. So you should remember those three things, construction, um, 
creation. Everyone say construction. Creation. Completion. Whenever you see this word, I will do, when God says, I will do, He's literally saying, I'm going to build, I'm going to construct. If it's not there, I will create it. From nothing, I will make it happen. Okay? I'm going to make it happen, um, and it's going to be marvelous. I'm going to do wonders among you. And for some of you, this will mean completion, as in God ratifying a process or bringing you to the end of a particular phase. God says He's going to do all of these things. Wherever you are in your journey, you can interpret this verse relative to your context. I'm saying to you, God, for you, you might think, God, you need to complete this phase. Or God, you need to, you need to create something. Or God, you need to construct something for me. Right? God's going to do it. Right? But he's going to do it and it will be wonderful. Remember the word pala? Um, it will be wonderful. And this word is such a rich word. I've explained it in the past. It embraces the idea of astonishment of distinction. Uh, God will astound you, amaze you, leave you aghast, jaws hanging. The thing will be too wonderful for you. It will amaze you, right? But also the, the idea of it distinguishing you in terms of what He does. So whenever God does it for you, He will distinguish you by what He does. In fact, if you read on where God says to Joshua, I think it's right in the same chapter but further down, God said to Joshua, and this day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, right? This day, Joshua, God says to him, I will begin to magnify you as I did with Moses, magnify you in the sight of all Israel. This is not to make you famous. God has not called us to be famous. Don't have that ambition. Don't have that ambition that I need to be famous and well-liked. But God does increase and um, highlight the stature of a man, not for the man's sake, but for his purposes attached to the man, Okay? So the moment you get coverage, listen carefully, you must be very careful that pride doesn't enter your heart. The moment God starts using and you start to speak at different platforms, etc., be very careful that the magnification of the Lord doesn't lead to a magnification of your ego. Right? You get a big head. So you always remain, you keep yourself humble. Humility must be a hallmark of this season. So God says to him, I will do wonders. I will distinguish you. And the word also means something difficult. So this word is a wonderful pala word. Okay? Pala. Right? I will astound you. I will amaze you. By what I do, I will distinguish you. I'll magnify you. Thing is going to be difficult to do. So don't count the impossibility thereof. Don't reckon it. Don't factor the impossibility of the thing into the equation. God says, I will do it nevertheless. You will not seek it, but I will do it but the prerequisite and remember the difficulty of the thing we discussed last week the word pala means something difficult where god says to sarah that this time next year your you will have a a son this time next year you will have a son and god said in saying that to abram concerning sarah god says to him is there anything to Difficult for the Lord. Difficult to accomplish, but God says, I will do it. Now, I want to give another example of this, where the word difficult is used, translated wonders. Same word, pala, but the word difficult is used. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. It's a particular, a particular prophetic application, I believe, to this house 
in reference to our desire for lands and buildings. Um, I will do an intense study of Jeremiah 32 at some later stage, but it will do you good to study the chapter. Jeremiah 32 concerns how Jeremiah purchased a piece of property just before the Chaldean or Babylonian invasion of Judah. So he purchases a property, which was a property of his cousins, Hanamiel, right, at the instruction of the Lord. So he sees this, I think it was a dream or vision, and God comes to him and says, he had just prophesied in the first few chapters that this land will be invaded by a foreign enemy. Remember, they would be taken captive for 70 years, right? He prophesied that. Now imagine, listen carefully, how would you encode this? You've just prophesied a foreign country is going to invade South Africa, let's say. Make it real, yeah. And on every border of South Africa, there's U.S. forces on all our coasts. The Marines are ready, Air Force. They're taking over. And you, you are prophet in South Africa. You prophesied this. It's going to happen. Then the Lord says to you, oh, by the way, before they come, go down the road and buy that piece of property. You would say, God, foolish, right? Why buy a piece of property when a foreign country is about to invade the land? Does not make, does not make sense. And the Lord says this to um, Josh, to, to Jeremiah. God says to him, do it. Because thus says the Lord, in years to come, lands and houses will yet be bought in this place. Will yet be bought in this place. I, I would like to go to the details of this, but it will take the whole session. You need to read it. I will teach you it at a later time. What he does is he secures the property for 17 shekels of silver from his cousin. Because it was important that they secure the property. They get the title deeds. He's very specific. He gets two copies. He puts them in an earthen jar to preserve the contents. And he buries it in the ground. So that 70 years later, they will be going into Babylonian captivity. But 70 years later, when they come back, who owned the land would be incontestable. Because it will be proved by the deed of sale that the, 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 the land would be in Jeremiah's name, even though he might not be present at the time, but it will always be in his family line. And the land would not leave the family. Okay, that's the scenario. Verse 16 says, After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Nereah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is to pala for you nothing is too difficult for you verse 25 he says to god you said to me O lord god buy yourself the field with the money and call in witnesses although the city is given into the hands of the chaldeans then the word of the lord came to jeremiah saying behold again i am the lord the god of all flesh is there anything too difficult for me Verse 43, God says, fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is desolation. Without man or beast, it is given into the hands of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, calling witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the Negev. For I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Now, when I, when I 
was searching for wherever the word difficult, pala, I will do wonders, occurs in the Bible, and I stumble upon this passage, I felt a prophetic witness of the Lord saying to us that all of you privately and us corporately are going to enter into land conquest soon, okay? You're going to buy property. And I want to encourage you, tell someone, buy property. Now, for all of you, take this as a word from God. Now, some of you, like Bruce and them, have just bought. I'm saying buy another one. Why stop there? I mean, who says that's the limitation? Buy a small flat, rent it out, earn some passive income. All right? uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm serious. This is a word from God. Tell someone, buy property. All the young people here, where are you? Just lift up your hands. A young, unmarried, young, young adult, whatever young means to you, and you feel it applies, speak your hand up. (laughs) I want to encourage you. I want to, the Lord, this is like a prophetic witness that I have in my spirit. The Lord said, buy it, and listen, buy it even in the face of conditions surrounding you not being conducive to the purchase. Because the conditions were not conducive to the purchase of this piece of property. It did not make sense to buy it. Listen, for the price, 17 shekels of silver was a very costly price by, by Hebrew standards. It did not make sense to buy it at the time in which the instruction came from the Lord. Buy it now. And listen carefully. Here's just a, a, a principle. Do it honorably and do it right. This Jeremiah was very specific. He called in witnesses. He said, make two copies. Put one in an earthen jar so that it will be preserved. So no one could contest his legal ownership of the land. And I want to encourage you, do it. Listen carefully. I would, if I were Jeremiah, say, listen, I got nothing to gain by the purchase of this property. Because if we're going into 70 years of Babylonian exile, I'm not sure whether Jeremiah returned. I should still study that. I'm not sure whether he died in Babylon or whichever. I'm not certain. But he, it, it, the point is, for the next 70 years, he wouldn't personally enjoy the property. So he's buying it not for personal gratification. He's buying it to establish a legacy for his family. That you will have property. Yeah? Quentin and Audrey buy property in the name of the Lord. That, that grace is conferred upon you. Who doesn't own property? Here? Pick your hand up. There's no property in your name. Hi? The Lord sees it. I want to encourage you. You know, I don't normally preach like this, and this wouldn't have been a, a focus area for me if I had not, while in prayer, felt this impress of the Lord. So let's pray about it now. Lift up your hands, and then I'll carry on teaching. I just want to get this thing out of the way, then I'll focus on other things. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that, like you said to Jeremiah, to buy the property that is in the field of Anathoth, which means answers to prayer. That field means answers to prayer. I I thank you that for everyone whose hands are lifted up, whose desire is poised, God, we want property corporately and personally, not so much for personal aggrandizement or for personal pleasure or for personal well-being. Yes, that will be, but our desire is to establish a legacy for our children and for our children's children that land occupancy, land possession, will be our legacy. And we will take territories indicative of the fact that prophetically 
You've given us realms in the spirit, jurisdictions, um, that we will rule, uh, spheres that we will dominate. Now, thank you. First the natural, then the spiritual God. We are not greedy, nor we are ambitious. We have no uh, greed or covetousness in our heart for things. Nor are we, uh, is our intent to get rich through uh, uh, unprincipled means. But God, we want to be the representation of all good things. You said, no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. We've heard this word for so many weeks, God, and now our hands are lifted up to you. And we ask, oh God, unveil to everyone privately and personally, unveil to us corporately lands and buildings that we need to purchase in the face of difficulty, in the face of the inopportuneness of the time. I know that you will provide the means for you indeed a God who answers prayer in Jesus' name. I want to make this an instruction to all the young people, Keegan and company, uh, Jaden, all the young men um, and, and, uh, uh, and women here, Rushin, uh, Gary, all of you. I mentioned you, I can go through Luke and, and Jody there at the back, all of you guys here. Make the purchase of your first priority, of your first property, a priority. You do it as quickly as possible. Don't wait. Trust God. Save up your deposit and move towards the process. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, tell you, nothing is too pala for the Lord. You know, and for Jeremiah, it did not make sense. And God said this to him twice, is there anything too hard or too difficult for me? This is going to happen. So receive the grace for it. Now, um, I don't want to speak more on consecration. I hope you got the message that you have to live a clean life for some of these things to happen. Right? You've got a faith, like I said, believe God. And keep your heart pure. Keep your heart pure all the time. There's no conquest without consecration. And we looked at several verses that illustrate the point of the need for consecration before conquest. I am going to do a studio version in the week. I just feel I need to go onto something else next week. There's something I need to do now. But the idea of consecration is very important. Don't think that you can just hoodwink God and carry on what are you living in total uh, uh, flagrant disregard for God's laws or purposes and still simultaneously expect the blessing. Deuteronomy 28 is very clear. If you obey, I will bless you. If you disobey, you will be, you will be cursed. So it's very, very important. Now, go to, for the rest of the time, I want to release another prophetic impression with regards to what God's going to do. I'm going to mention several things, and you apply, you take what applies to you. Take all if you have to, trust God for it, okay? I'm going to just release a few items with reference to the third day, because they had three days to consecrate, with reference to the, the third day. Remember the word tomorrow. Everyone say tomorrow. Your tomorrow happens as soon as you create the conditions. As soon as you create the conditions of consecration, tomorrow I will do wonders. Tomorrow is not 24 hours. Tomorrow is as soon as the conditions, preparatory conditions are created, I will act, declares the Lord. Okay? So that you must bear that in mind. Now go to Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures. And please open your heart because this is the word of the Lord. I've waited now for three weeks 
to say this. Everything was a build up to say this. This is the punchline. This is what God wants for us. This, these are some of the wonders. Say it again, wonders. God's going to astound you. God's going to amaze you with, with the things that he will, will do. Um, we bless Patrick in particular. You know, we, we paid for our guest's flight um, here, the, the John Saletti uh, and back. Um, when, when I heard Patrick jumped on a bus from Lilongwe, drove was 36 hours to Johannesburg and he's making his way to attend our two-day conference and when he was in Johannesburg um, Kiliot also his friend did the same I wasn't aware that Patrick was with him I bought a air ticket for Kiliot I said you can't travel another uh, nine hours the bus takes I said no I'll book a flight for you just come and you are so grateful he said, oh you saved me I'm now more rested focused for the conference so um I wanted to do the same for Patrick when I discovered. So when they were leaving, the morning after our conference concluded, I took him. He insisted he wanted to go by bus because he wants to see the country, the other guy. So I paid for his bus ticket, and then I took the other two to the airport. And Patrick said this to me. He said, I'm blessed. You came to Lilongwe early in the year, and you taught us a financial conference. We did finance. He said, and he's telling me, I said, Baba, he says, thank you so much. He's almost in tears. He said, I've heard your Bible studies, and in your own words, I've seen the case study. Right? I've heard your Bible studies, but now I've seen the case study. And he says, what I've seen speaks far more than what you've said. Right? And it's really set him free. Now, let me just say this. If you are expecting a wonder, why don't you wonder somebody else? Why don't you be the wonder to another? I always say you rather sow the seed that you expect to reap, whose harvest you expect to reap in, in your life. Sow the seed of whose harvest you expect in your life. Amaze someone. When last did you leave someone aghast by what you did for them? When last did you floor somebody? <gasps> Almost died like the Queen of Sheba when she saw Solomon's arrangement. The Bible says, Spirit left her. You know? Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15. I want to encourage you, let someone not be able to describe sometimes the gift that you give to, to them. When last did you amaze someone? So tell someone, be the wonder. Be the wonder to another. Okay, now, listen to this. In the third, uh, this is Exodus 19 verse 10, sorry. 19 verse 10. Watch. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. God says something very similar to Moses in Moses' day. Consecrate the people today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. And let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And when I started studying the scriptures, a lot of the time there's the requirement for consecration, and something's going to happen on the third day. Everyone say the third day. Now it's not, in their case, it was the third literal day. But we want to interpret this prophetically for, 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 our, for our context. So the third day um, is a day of prophetic fulfillment, generally in Scripture. And there are certain specific nuances of it that I, I will tell you in a moment. Everyone say 
God's word is going to be fulfilled. Right? And I want to encourage you to now, and I'm, I'm experiencing this in my own life and ministry, where things I don't seek are coming to me. Doors I'm not knocking on are opening. And sometimes I cannot contain the pace of what God is doing and opportunities that God avails to me. God says, it's third day for you. It's a season of prophetic fulfillment of all my words which I have given. And don't be like Sarah and say, ha, 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 ha. Remember she laughed at the prospect that she will bear a son. In a year's time, me, old woman like me, bear a son. Don't laugh in unbelief, but have faith. Believe unto righteousness that grace can attend and get the job done for, for you. Okay? So, one thing, I'm going to go through several applications of the third day. It generally means prophetic fulfillment. But, number one, it references intensive consecration. I want to stress this. Say intensive consecration. Because if you read further down in verse 15, when God says to Moses, consecrate the people, they had to do it to such a degree. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Don't even go near women. God even said, even if you read the text there, God even said to the married persons in that context, you will not have sexual relationships with your wives until this matter is done. What God wanted was, it's not that sex between married persons is wrong, it's right, but God in this season wanted intense focus and consecration in terms of a major thing that he's about to do. Yeah? The major thing that he was about to do in their context, by the way, was him coming down to meet the people. Right? So I couch this application, intensive consecration for intimate engagement. Say it with me, intensive consecration for intimate engagement. Now please, what I'm not saying, now stop having sex with your wife, or your, please don't, miss, don't hear what I'm not saying. Right? I am saying the, the principle, the applicable principle here is God says, if the nation is going to engage me, I'm coming down this mountain to, to confront. But if there's going to be intimate engagement, I'm expecting wholesale purity. I'm expecting intensive consecration. In other words, God is saying, your level of consecration that persisted up to this point will not suffice if you're going to engage me face to face. God is saying to Israel. Now, how many know that you cannot not engage God in any sense of proximity with known unrepentant sin in your heart. Right? Everyone say intimate. And I want to challenge you to become more intimate with the Lord. Intimacy is going to be my new quest. Yes, we know Him, we love Him, He's our Father, but we have to be far more intimate with Him than what presently persists. But to go to the next level of intimacy, God is saying, you need to brush up on sins that so easily beset you. You need to focus. You need to clean your act up in certain respects. You need to throw away certain mindsets, throw away certain behavioral patterns. Because God says, I'm coming down, coming down to engage you in a far more greater sense of intimacy. Proverbs 22 verse 11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. We had this verse before. Purity of heart, that's righteousness. Whose speech is gracious, that's grace. Grace reigns in righteousness. Who's your friend? 
The word friend here denotes intimate, confidant. The king here references earthly kings, but more so God as king. God will be your friend, but he does require a pure heart and gracious and gracious speech. Psalm 24 verse 3 and 4 says the following. Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? He will make, who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who will not lift up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. I'll talk more about this in the next three or four weeks. We're going to talk about integrity. But listen carefully. Falsehood and deceit in, count in, in modern day contemporary language is lies. Right? Don't tell your neighbor, stop telling lies. Right? So if you're a liar and you want intimacy with, intimacy with God, not going to work, right? Or if you're crooking the books and you're falsifying information, or you're misrepresenting anything at any level, say bye-bye to intimacy with God. Because God is a God of truth. And He says He requires truth in the inward, in the inward parts. So I will encourage you, stop all lies. And stop all misrepresentation, which is a lie. You know, we use sophisticated words. Oh, it wasn't a lie, it was a misrepresentation. Oh, you lied. (laughs) Misrepresentation of the facts is a a lie. How many people were at the meeting? Oh, there were thousands, Pastor. Oh, you mean the ten that were there? Exaggeration is a lie. Tell them to stop exaggerating. Exaggeration is a lie. I'm serious, guys. You want the break. You want the land. You've got to clean up your act. This is, tell someone, intensive consecration. You see, we only think of moral issues. When, I think, when you say consecration, purity and holiness. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Uh, or don't, don't sleep around. Keep yourself sexually pure. And we think of all, but it's the little foxes that spoil the, that spoil the vine. So, um, is your mom there? They phone you. She's here. Oh, she's, she's not here. <laughs> you know, little things. Just stop. Be truthful at any cost, even to your own hurt. Just start being honest, being sincere in everything. Don't misrepresent um, any facts at any level. Proverbs 25 verse 14. Proverbs 25 verse 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those that fear Him, and He will make them know His covenant right psalm 25 14 i think it is the secret of the lord is with them that fear him and he will make them know his his covenant the secrets is the the word is confidences god wants someone to confide in but he gives his confidences or his secrets to those who have a fear for him and he will make them know his his covenant okay the word secret there, if you study it in the Hebrew, actually suggests intimacy or confidentiality. Okay? Another one quickly, Proverbs 3 verse 32 says, Proverbs 3 32 says, For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with who? Come on, who is God intimate with? He is intimate with the righteous or is intimate with the, with the upright. I want to encourage you... Um, in our worship, for example, in our singing, whatever we do, never lose the sense of intimacy with God. In your prayer, don't just go to the routine. Because sometimes we get so automatic and we go to the routine of stuff 
And we never have that sense of touch, sense of emotion, sense of feeling, sense of stirring with the Lord. Never, ever lose that. Okay, it's subjective, it's personal, it's private. Right? Uh, Kim Clements once defined intimacy as into me you see. God can into me you see. Uh, we become naked and transparent before him, nothing to hide, no fig leaves, it's, it's intimate. And I want to encourage you, cultivate that sense of intimacy with God. Con- you see, a lot of you are wanting, when I say consecrate yourself because the Lord's going to do wonders among you, and you're looking for things, like I said, land conquest, like I said, land purchase of properties, etc. Yes, God's going to do mighty things, but one of the mighty things is you're going to become more intimate with Him, which is a great blessing. Okay, That for me is essential. Everyone say, into me, you see. <laughs> say, intimacy. <laughs> yeah. Next time, tonight, when you pray before God, say, into me, you see. I want to touch you. I want to know you. I want to become intimate. I want to draw closer to you like I've never. I want to see you face to face. I want to touch your glory. I want to feel something. I don't want to go to the routine of even a devotional and not feel something. I want to feel. I want to, I want to become intimate. I want to touch you, feel you. Okay, those things are very, very, very important. So that's the one thing. So the first application, third day is prophetic fulfillment, but this first application is, say it with me, intensive consecration for intimacy with the Lord. Secondly, resurrection. Say resurrection. When was Jesus raised? On the third day. So please log this in your spirit. I won't say much about it. But for some of you, God's going to raise what, what, what has died in you. Passion might have died, purpose might have died, uh, ambition might have died, godly ambition that is, uh, pursuit of certain objectives might have been killed, you're feeling like you're not living for anything, Uh, dreams that you once had you've shelved, Uh, things that you wanted to once do, the book you wanted to write, the song you wanted to write, the thing you wanted to pursue you've shelved because you felt life has dealt you a harsh blow, And negative life circumstances have killed your dream. The Lord says to you, this is a prophetic word for the house. Take it up again. Because I'm about to raise it up again. Your third day, this third day of me doing wonders, will be the resurrection of things once that once died. Okay? Things that once died will live again. Okay? It will live again in terms of whatever that will mean to you. Thirdly, Everyone say, release from confinement. How many days was uh, Jonah in the belly of the fish? Three days, the Bible says, okay? As Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man, three days in, in, in the earth, okay? So Jonah had sinned, a fish swallowed him, he was imprisoned in the belly of a fish. That meant confinement, he could not move, it meant limitation. It meant circumst- uh, his, his, his borders were circumscribed, stuff he could not do, could not go beyond. Uh, dark, no lights, slippery and slimy, gastric juices pumping. Think about it, belly of a fish, right? Slippery, slimy, salty water, waves coming in every time the fish opened its mouth. No lights, lights out, Right? A man of purpose, he was, but confined to a place where nothing's moving and there's no light concerning 
the way forward. And then the Bible says, and he offered a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. This is Jonah 2 verse 8. Just look at it. I don't want to go here, but just I want to highlight something. Um, verse 9. He says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. He gave thanks when there was every reason not to give thanks. When his circumstances says you will not praise, you will not thank the Lord. But in a repentant heart because of his sin, he, the Bible says, I will sacrifice. The word the Hebrew here is tauda, which means a costly expression of gratitude. Right? I will sacrifice when there's no obvious reason to do. Now, which of you, you look at your present circumstances and you say, lights out. Anybody with lights out circumstances? Right? You're confined, limited. And I'm saying to you, sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. And let me stress this. Say voice. In other words, you, you can't be silent. You can't say to me, I'm thankful, but I'm hearing nothing. He said, you're going to hear me. Fish, you're going to hear something today in this belly of yours that no, you've never heard before. The Bible says he starts to give. He starts to, to give thanks. Some of you are too quiet in your trial. Let your voice of thanksgiving be heard. Lift up the voice and start to th sing. Take one of our songs. Put the volume up and let that fill your house. Right? Thanksgiving, by definition, is not thanksgiving unless it's voiced. Right? The voice of thanksgiving. And the next verse, he says salvation belongs then. Everyone say then. Ask your neighbor when? Then. Right? Say when. Say then. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry ground. So he's released from his encasement because thanksgiving nauseated his prison. The fish began nausea. Vomited him out. You can nauseate your trial. You can nauseate your, the confining circumstances by your disposition of, in this home, I've always, come to my home, there's always music playing. Always said, in this home, God will always be praised. Right? The voice of the Lord, the voice of thanksgiving will always be, be sounded. Okay? So I say that to you as a prophetic word. Some of you are going to know release from limiting circumstances that presently confine you and for which you see no light, you see no way out. But thus says the Lord to you, respond to me with the voice of thanksgiving. Let your praise be consistent and I will nauseate your limiting prison and you're going to come. You know, when it's, you see, it'll be fine if it stopped there and the Lord vomited him out. The, the, this fish could have vomited him out into the sea like from one trial to another trial. But it did, doesn't say that. It vomited him out where? On dry ground. God made this, this fish come close to land and open, spewed the man out, and the man walks, you know. Oh, you know. And now he's back on his assignment that the Lord originally sent him towards. Some of you are going to regain assignments. Regain assignments that God has set you upon. Tell your neighbor, nothing is lost. Come on, God's going to put some stuff back that you've lost. But God's going to shake some prisons. 
I got some prisons, some dark areas I need to shake in my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same in your life. Amen. Now, everyone say healing. Hosea 6 verse 1 to 3. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, but He will heal us. He has wounded us, but He will bandage us. Verse 2. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up. When? Come on, when? On the, on the third day that we might live before Him. Verse 3. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. He is going forth. He is as certain as the dawn. And He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Go back to verse 2. So the Lord uh, has, has hurt us, bandaged us, but now He will revive us after two days and He will raise us up on the third day that we might live in His sight. I'm not sure what this might mean to you. All I know is God says to you, that this church is in a third day position. God has dealt with us in the first two days of our prophetic journey. Listen to me by the Spirit. He wasn't here, let him hear. God has dealt with us in the first two days. He had to inflict us to test us, to know what was in our hearts. He's not left us destitute. He's even bandaged our wounds. But that's day one and day two. But there's a day three when it says you're going to be totally healed. You're going to be totally healed of the hurt. That could be emotionally. It could be physically. It could be whatever. All I know is every single one in this church must trust God for a place of total healing. And I mean that physically, emotionally, maritally, right? in every sense, financially. But complete healing for you in the name of the Lord. Yeah? Trusting God for you. Amen? You will be healed in Jesus' name. Yeah? Not accepting anything less than that. Everyone say total health. Right? There's something better than healing. It's called health. Right? And we could trust God that we live um, in, in, in total well-being physically and in every other way. Shout it with me, healing. healing. Say health. health. Right? I want everyone to be healthy, robust. Okay? Nothing lacking, nothing missing. We'll be together. This is a promise of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a promise of the Lord to us. Then in Genesis 22, verse 1 to 4, there's another application of third day, which I want to draw reference to came about after these things that God tested Abraham for, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here yeah, I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, everyone say the third day. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, and he saw the place from a distance. The story here is, God just says to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love, sacrifice the boy. And he says, go to a place that I will show you. 
The point is, he got up early. Everyone say early. He did not tell Sarah anything. You don't tell your wife you're about to kill your son, right? As God said, she won't understand. The maternal instincts will, will lead to disobedience, right? The father takes authority and he says, early in the morning, not telling anybody, he starts on a journey. Sleep somewhere, carries on. Day two, sleep somewhere, gets up, carrying on. God just said, go, I will show you the place. In the meantime, there's a Sarah worried. Father and son have vacated the premises. Wife is worried at home, right? And the Bible says on day three, he saw the place from her. It was Mount Moriah where he would go up and sacrifice the boy. So the third day here for me speaks about the specificity of God's leading or God's will. Everyone say specificity. In other words, there was, it went from the general to the specific. The general word was, get up, go, sacrifice the boy, I will show you. Now, if Abraham stayed, if Abraham said, I'm not going anywhere until you show me, God said, no, there are certain things that are only clarified in the process of your obedience. Some of you are waiting for the whole picture. It's not going to happen. God is saying, take the first step. And I will give clarity along the path. I will give clarity along your, along your journey. And the Bible says, in the path of obedience, Abraham is walking. Very difficult thing for him to do. And the Bible says, and he saw the place from a far off, and this happened on the third day. Tell someone, you are in a third day. I mean this prophetically, you're in a third day. Please trust God for your life. I'm trusting God for my life. That once where there was a general command, in fact, some of your prophecies that you have had in your prophetic registry might be general. And I'm saying, trust God that now specificity to location is going to come where you should be but you've been obeying the word all the while and God's going to narrow it down to something very very concrete very very specific for you Genesis 40 verse 20 it came about the next point it came about on the third day everyone say the third day it came about on the third day which was Pharaoh's birthday he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But the, he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted it to them. Two men had dreams, the baker and the cupbearer. The interpretation of Joseph based upon their respective dreams, was this. To the cup, excuse me, the cup bearer, uh, God says, in three days. Everyone say in three days. This is, this is Joseph's prophecy of interpretation of their dreams to them. In three days, God was going to restore your head to the cup bearer. But in three days, to the baker, Pharaoh's going to decapitate your head. So everyone say, lift up your head. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors. Um, I am saying, for many of us, this is my prophetic impression for this house. Lift up your head. Everyone say, lift up your head. It's not proud or to walk around with a sense of, you know, and arrogance. No, I'm saying lift up your head in confidence. Don't. The opposite of a lifted up head is a, a, a head dropped down. 
They call it drop head syndrome or chin on chest. It's a medical term, chin on chest. Chin on chest is when your chin's on your chest. Right? You walk around like this in life. You know. But everyone say, lift up your head. Right? It's, not, it's not arrogance, but it's raw confidence that we're about to enter a very definitive season in God. And for the cupbearer, what did it mean? He lost his estate. He lost his position, right? And he was relegated to prison for it. Likewise, the baker. But Joseph prophesied to the cupbearer and said, In three days, your head is going to be lifted. Say a lifted head. I've wrote a whole manual. It's on my website if you want it. There's a whole manual there called Lift Up Your Head. Where I track this phrase, lifted up head, throughout the scriptures. There's about 12 nuances of the word. One of them is, in used in this context, is where God reinstates you to a position that you, fought, you once you lost because of whatever reason. Again, I want to say to you, reinstatement to things lost. Reinstatement to functions lost. Reinstatement to areas of responsibility that were once given to you. That maybe you forfeited because of your sin, your irresponsibility, or your lack of vigilance. You've lost some things. But the Lord is saying to you, my sons and daughters, I'm about to give it back. I'm about to give it back to you. To reinstate you to position once, once held. So the restoration of lost positions and spheres of functions. Everyone say restoration to lost positions and spheres of functions. Okay? Very, very important. Second Kings 20. This is interesting. Listen. In those days, King Hezekiah became mortally ill. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. Set, you know, this is like a serious commander. Set your house in order, for you are about to die, and you are not going to live. That's the word. Verse 2. He turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, Lord, I beseech you, how I've walked before you in truth with a whole heart. I've done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah did what? He wept bitterly. Verse 3. Isaiah had gone out in the middle court and the word of the Lord came to him saying. So Isaiah delivered the word and he's leaving. While he's leaving in the middle court, God's word comes to him again. Hezekiah is busy turning his face to the wall and weeping bitterly to the Lord saying, please remember me. All the good I've done. How I walked before you in truth. So God says to Isaiah, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. Tell someone, God hears your prayer. Huh? Tell someone, turn to the wall. You know, turn to the wall means, yeah, when he says he turned his face to the wall and he wept bitterly. It means it's private prayer. It's closet prayer. It's, it's prayer that no one sees. It's desperate prayer. Right? And he weeps bitterly. He says, God, you can't do this. I've walked before you in truth blamelessly. I've, I've, I've wanted to do your will only. And then God speaks to the prophet and says, 
Go back and tell the man his prayers heard. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will do what? I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Just, just read on. Verse 6. I will add 15 years to your life. How is that for Bansela? Right? God is saying, you're about to die. Set your house in order, bro. You're about to leave the planet. This man cries. God says, okay, no, Bansela for you. 15. Everyone say 15. What is 15 symbolic of? What is 5? So 15 is triple grace. Years added to you. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. And I will defend this city from my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Verse 7. Isaiah said, take a cake of figs. And they took it and laid it on the boil. Apparently at a boil. And he recovered and he recovered from it. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? And shall I go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or back ten steps? So Hezekiah answered, it is easy for the shadow to decline ten steps. No, but let the shadow turn backwards ten steps. He wanted a sign for certainty that God will heal him. So the shadow on the sundial went ten steps back of the staircase, right? And God literally did a miracle. He reversed time to indicate to him, I'm giving you more time. Right? It was a physical sign of a spiritual, of a spiritual reality. Okay? So pray. Everyone say pray passionately. Pray. And let me just say this to you. This is where I'm at. Um, Dr. Seki said something profound on Thursday morning. I went to his, his, his forum. And he said this, there are sometimes you sin and God forgives you. But God cannot change the repercussions of your sin. But, although the sin is forgiven, like if a young man impregnates a young lady outside of wedlock, he can pray to God and God forgives him. But, guess what? There are results that you must now contend with. So Dr. Segi said, in the dealing with the, with the results of your sin which has been forgiven, God can give you grace to bear the results far more than you would have if you had not repented. But he made this statement. He said, and I, will, I have seen it from his experience. He said from his experience he has seen in instances like that, but he was talking more of relational things. And I think he said it here as well. He said, that when there are relational violations, pay restitution. Offer some restitution, and restitution will help. God will help sh cut short the length of reaping of a negative, in terms of the negativity of your, of, of your sin. Okay? Now listen carefully. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24, there's a sad thing about the same king. The other account says this, 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 24. It says, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill and he prayed to the Lord. The Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave what? No return 
for the benefit received. Because his heart was, his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came on him and Judah and Jerusalem. Right? However, Hezekiah humbled his, the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah, but God deferred the reaping to another generation. Okay? My point is, go back to verse 24. Listen to me carefully. God said to him, in those days, the, the, so the, the scripture says here, the, the next verse, 25, he gave no return for the benefit received. Do you know what that means in plain English? God heals the guy, right? 15 more years. Some versions like the NLT and the NFA says like this. But he did not respond appropriately to how the Lord healed him. And instead of being humble, he became proud. Do you know breakthroughs can make you proud? What God does for you can make you proud. Where should he have been? The Bible says, God said, I will heal you on the third day and you must set your face towards the house of the, the, house of the Lord. Not so. The house of the Lord should have been his focus and his preoccupation. You know, it's sad for me to see people get blessed by God and forget the house of the Lord. Sad for me to see people that are in desperate situations and God breaks through for you, but you have amnesia. You forget you were in the doldrums. You were in a horrible pit, destined for destruction. God broke through. But having come through, somehow pride enters the heart and you never prioritize the house of the Lord. I'm not talking about prioritizing church. When I say the house of the Lord, my youth attendant with that concept is the purposes of God expressed through a family unit of fathers and sons, right? The house of the Lord is forgotten because the, the breakthrough has given us amnesia, okay? You know Hezekiah's end was quite bad if you know the account. I won't, I won't go through um, time. He exposes all the treasures of Judah to the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, okay? Ill-advisedly, right? I want to encourage you, church. David said, what can I render to the Lord for all of his goodness toward me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and offer thanksgiving to the Lord. Has God done marvelous things for you? Yes or no? Answer me. Yes. For some of you, you will have been a write-off today if God didn't come through. Write-off. And I mean that both symbolically and literally. Right off the radar. Right? If God sovereignly did not come through for you. And I'm saying to you, respond appropriately to the breakthrough of the Lord. Now that He has done that, your response to the Lord should be, what can I render to the Lord, to His house and to His purposes? You know? What can I do more to express how grateful, excuse me, I am to the Lord in terms of all that He has, has done for me. Some people have no appropriate response to God afterwards. It's not just thanksgiving, but it's the whole disposition of our... He, you see, when you were in the doldrums, you expected Him to prioritize your dilemma. Not so? You are desperate. You, your face was to the wall like this man. You were weeping bitterly. You expected God to shut the program of heaven and to focus personally on your dilemma. Not so? But now that he has come through, you forget. And then his purposes, his mission, 
His will you flagrantly disregard. That is inappropriate responses. But tell someone it's a third day. I'm saying this to you. Let me just prophesy to you. God healed Hezekiah on the third day. And I say this to you by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to me very carefully. This is a warning from God. For some of you, judgment should have already been meted out. Yet for the mercy of God. God is faithful and God is, is gracious. In this third day, like he healed Hezekiah's disease, I say to you, God's going to heal you. God will, God will extract you from out of the vortex or whatever you're going through. God's going to rescue you like he did Jonah. God's going to heal you on the third day, Hosea. God's going to heal you like he did Hezekiah. There's going to be triple grace added to your life. But now when this happens this time, set your face toward the house of the Lord. Don't let the breakthrough of God distract you from the priority that you should give to now passionately pursuing the, the purposes of the Lord. When the man who was healed in Acts 3, lame from birth at the gate, beautiful, where was he? He was found in the temple. He was found in the, in the house of the Lord. Right? May, may, may you do more to demonstrate your gratitude. May you do more to demonstrate how grateful you are. May, may his purposes now become your priority. So on the third day, he's healed. Amen. John 2, John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Just one or two more. We've got five minutes. Listen carefully. John 2, verse 1 and 2. Everyone say the third day. On the third day, was, there was a wedding in Cain of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was, was there. Okay? And verse 2. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. I don't need to read the rest of the account, right? You know the story. What was the problem here? What was the problem? The wine ran out, and Jesus converts water into, into wine. A wine that should take years to mature is matured in a moment because of the miraculous intervention of the grace of God. So for this third day, everyone say compression of time. Come on, say compression of time. Right? I mean, I think when I read this, and I think of how the wine was converted from water uh, bypassing a maturation process that should take years. Then I say, God, my third day, I want you to compress time so that what would have taken me years to accomplish before, you will do it in a far more shorter period of time. Right? That is a prophetic application of this, of this word. Amen? I, and I want to encourage you. We are working vociferously at multiple levels. Everyone say, um, we will do things faster. Come on, church. We will do things quicker. Hallelujah. You must receive this. This is your third day. The water will be turned into wine. And also, based upon this, the Bible says that this was the beginning of miracles. It was the first sign. It was the first public display of the miraculous power of the, in the life of and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And let me just say that some of you are about to be public dis publicly displayed because of private preparation. Jesus did not come to John 2 overnight. There was a 30-year preparatory process and then a public display. And I'm saying, for some of you who are right there, the private preparation 
has been. But now the Lord says, I will publicly demonstrate all my internal private dealings in you are now ready for public. Not again, I must say this, not to bring attention to yourself, but to facilitate the will and the purposes of the, of the Lord. Okay. Again, another verse, just quickly give you a few more verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Another verse that depicts the imminency of something being fulfilled is 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. For I delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He was raised, when? On the? Third day, but why? Third day, why? According to the Scriptures. So the third day always means, again, the fact that something prophesied, something said, is about to materialize. Something said is about to materialize. Quickly, because of time, Luke 2 verse 46. Luke 2 verse 46 says the following. After three days, say three days. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. They were looking for him, not so? After three days, they found him because he was, he was busy exploring ministry without authorization, right? Not being commissioned by Mary and, and, and Joseph, right? So I couch this in terms of this third day, prophetic application of this scripture would be the end of your lostness. Repeat after me, end of lostness. But being found, but being found how? Being found and replaced under fatherly guidance and oversight. Jesus was like a loose cannon doing his own thing. And Mary and Joseph, when they found him after three days, shut the Bible study down and said, shut the program down, close the conference now with these learned teachers of the law. We are going back where? Where was their hometown? To Nazareth. They were in Jerusalem. Center stage, Jerusalem, capital of religious activity. But we're going we're to go back for the next 18 years, my son. You're 12 years old now. But for the next 18 years, you need to be subject, the Bible says, yourself ejected himself to them, and for 18 years, Jesus had direct fatherly oversight and intervention by Mary and, and Joseph. But all this happened, listen carefully, after them searching for him for three days, and they found him. I say this to you prophetically, I've been searching for some of you, if you hear me in the spirit. And I found some of you, some of you are looking for. And I'm saying your third day would be, Taking your whole potential into, in reference to ministry, convinced that you must do your father's will, but submitting that to fatherly oversight that knows when you'll be ready for public release. You know, in John 2, Jesus did not want to do that. If you read the text, who insisted? Mary, he said to Mary, my time has not come. She said, no, it's now. <laughs> Now's the time. 18 years ago, I shut your program down. But now I'm releasing you. Do it. Do the miracle now. There's something about the authorization of a father in the life of a son that brings that son into far greater blessing and benefit than if the son pursues the thing on his own. Right? There's something about when a father speaks and authorizes a son, it legitimates. You'll see greater success in many, many, in many, 
uh, arenas. Acts 9.9. Okay, we're almost done. Acts 9.9. He was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Who's, who's the Bible talking about here? Saul. Remember the Bible says Saul, the Lord just met him, struck him off his high horse, struck him with blindness. Ananias was sent and Ananias met him blind and Ananias prayed for him and Paul received his, Paul received his sight. Now, this for me represents an end of misdirected zeal. An end of misdirected zeal. What was Saul doing here? Killing Christians, not so? He who was killing Christians would later emerge to be the greatest proponent of the church. So the zeal is there, but the zeal is there misdirected. God had to take the same intensity and simply redirected. Instead of now killing the church, Paul, you're going to become the greatest proponent of the church. Right? Everyone say misdirected zeal. And for some of you, I'm saying it's a third day where your zeal needs to be redirected. Because it's now misdirected. Full of energy, full of desire, full of zeal. But just bring it back to, to, to proper covering, proper direction, and you will see the will of the Lord uh, thrive for your life. Okay? What's the use being zealous, but your zeal, you're actually opposing God's purposes? I'm saying, God, take the energy, even me. Tell your neighbor, even me. I'm saying, even me. Hey, God, you should know me, I'm very zealous, right? I'm very passionate. If I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't. Just do stuff the whole, whole 24 hours, right? I just want to be doing, doing, doing. And sometimes the zeal could be directed on the wrong thing. I'm saying, God, take the zeal. Third day, everyone say third day. And this third day, and simply direct it to really, what do you want me to do? Right now, I'm shaving off certain activity. Shaving of certain um, responsibility. I canceled two trips now. One in Zambia in September and a youth conference that I was supposed to speak at in Dar in October. Why? It's not just good to be zealous and doing much, but you're not doing much in terms of God's will. Okay? So it's very, very important that you, you do this. Amen? But there's a host of other scriptures here, but time will not, time will not permit I want to close. Do you remember the two who walked with the disciples? Who walked, the two disciples who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Remember them? And they were perplexed at the fact of the happenings in their day. And Jesus drew near to them. And he did not reveal his identity to them. But they said to him, um, Haven't you, don't you know what things have been transpiring here? Okay, And they said, this is Luke 24, round about verse 20 or 21. They were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, this is the third day that these things have, have happened. Right? This is the third day that these things have happened. Amazing thing is, you can recognize this the third day. Everyone said, it is the third day. They say it is the third day, but what should have clicked? If you say he died, he was buried. Oh, by the way, they don't know they're talking to Jesus. Eh? His identity is closed. 
They say to him, oh, by the way, it's the third day. So, and they still say, the third day, yeah, yeah, third day. The Bible says their countenance was sad, third day. What should have clicked when they said it is the third day? Did not Jesus tell them on the third day I will rise? So this is a frightening verse right here. It means you could be in a third day, recognize it but not experience it. Everything I've just said, you could say, you know, John saw Jesus and John said, behold the lamb, but could not follow the lamb. If I were John, I would shut my ministry down and follow Jesus wherever he went. Andrew, one of, Jesus, one of John's disciples, was standing with another disciple. And the Bible says, when John says of Christ, behold the lamb, the Bible says Andrew left the other disciple of John, and he followed Jesus. If anybody should have followed Jesus, it should have been John. You can recognize something, but not follow it. And I'm saying to the church, I say to you by revelation, it's a third day, and all the blessings I've spoken about are about to be experienced by you. But don't be unaware of the fact that these things are going to take place. They are going to take place. God is going to do wonders. But it's going to require intensive consecration. And a faithful response from your, on, on, on your part. Amen. It's a good day. Tell someone third day. Right? I love that text in, in Isaiah that we read. The third day he will heal us. Third day of, of, of resurrection. Abraham journeyed, and on the third day he saw the place afar off. Hezekiah healed on the third day, but was required to set his face towards the to face, set his face towards the house of God. On the third day, the cupbearer restored, reinstated back to a prior position. Jesus raised to life on the third day. On the third day, water being turned into into wine is there anything too hard i am saying to you the season has ripened the kairos has matured like i said last week enter into the possibility of this third day position i know of some whole churches called third day the name of the church is third day church okay and i want they, they, this revelation of the doings of the lord is going to become so profound but let me just say this you need to conscientize your mind in reference to it. You need to think it. need to trust God for it. Like I said early on when we started this, trust God to purchase property. Trust Him to buy your second one. And I'm not saying this. You know we're not covetous here. We're not greedy. We're not ambitious. With, and we're not materialistic in our thinking. All I'm saying is I've, I don't usually say things like this. But I'm saying this is a word from, a word from the Lord. Okay? Young people, before you buy yourself a new car, when you start working, buy yourself a new flat. The car will perish, but a flat will, as, as appreciating value, you know? Amen? Hallelujah? Amen. Tell someone, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen? Hallelujah? Amen. Close your eyes, let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is the third day for the church. This is our third day. 
I thank you, O God, that you're going to do amazing things. You're going to do wonderful things on behalf of the house. Everyone lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on. I prophesy to you once again, as you intensively consecrate yourself, that on the third day, God's going to come down to you in new intimacy. New, in, new levels of intimacy is what you must focus on. There will be resurrection of lost dreams, lost ambitions, a release from confinement, healing physically, emotionally, maritally, financially. God's going to specify His will for you from what was once gentle will now become very, very specific. Lost positions will now be restored to you. Lost spheres of function will now be given back to you. For some of you, it will mean the salvation from the death of your destinies. God's going to recapture that. Right? But it will be a sign to you, like He healed Hezekiah, that you should prioritize His house. Don't have an inappropriate response um, to the house of the Lord. There will come a fulfillment of my word, declares the Lord. I will turn your water into wine in a very short space of time. I will compress time and do things for you that would have in the previous season taken years to accomplish. I will fulfill my word. God says I'm about to redirect your zeal. Misdirected zeal will be directed now to what I need you to do in this season declares the Lord. Those of you that have been lost to fathering, God says you will be found in the season. You'll find your place, but like my son did when Mary and Joseph found him, you'll find yourself back under fatherly guidance, fatherly direction. This is the third day, declares the Lord. Psalm 110 verse 3 says, My people shall be willing in the day of my power. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. Shall we all stand as a church? We bring ourselves before Him. Just maintain this attitude of reverence before Him and just lift up your hands to Him. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You for the Word. We receive this Word with great sobriety and fear in the Lord. When you do the wonder, Father, we will give you glory. We will not allow it to distract us away from what we should prioritize. Your house, what shall we give to the Lord? What shall we render for all of the goodness of our God towards us? I thank you, Father, it's a third day. I thank you for the third day reality, God, for every single one of our lives, Father. I just pray, oh God, a season of good things. No good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly before you. Father, more than any of these things, we long for intimacy. More than any of these things we've spoken about, our desire is simply to know you more. If we can touch you, feel you, get to know your heart, understand your ways, share your confidences, you can share your secrets with us. Father, that for us will be all that we would ever long for and reach out for today. We long for that, Father long to love you, long to be intimate with you. Everyone just lift your voice and just worship you in intimacy. Just thank the Lord. Worship you, Lord. We worship you. Oh, we love you, Father. We praise you. We adore you, God. Worthy of glory and honor and power. We love you, Lord. 
we praise your name. How we long to know you. How we long to love you more. How we long to know your word, to know your ways. How we long to feel the rhythms of your heartbeat, Lord. We long for you. We thirst for you. We crave for you, O oh God. We love and adore you. We do. We want to feel you, know you. Let me know, Lord, that you are working. Let us know that you are dealing with us in ways that will benefit us, O oh God. We want to know you. We want to know you, God. Hallelujah. This is the third day where the Lord will heal us, resurrect lost dreams, reinstate us. This is our third day, the day of healing, the day of reviving and breakthroughs. But I will amaze you, declares the Lord, by what I do in you and for you. I will amaze you. I will do wonders for you. Wonders in the heavens, wonders in the earth. And my will for you will thrive. My will for you will succeed, declares the Lord. This is your third day. Your third day, declares the Lord. This is your third day. This is your third day. This is my third day. Sing with me. This is my third day. This is my third day. This is my third day. My third day. Sing it out. This is my third day. Prophesy of your life. My third day, oh God. This is my third day, oh Lord. My third day. Tell someone your third day. Go around and greet someone. Tell them, Keegan, this is your third day. Jaden, this is your third day, sure. Third day. Third day for you and your family. This is your third day, my child. Your third day of healing. Total healing. Your third day of blessing. Third day of resurrection. Third day of reinstatement. The third day when God's will will become very specific for you. This is your third day, church. Arise and be healed. Arise and be healed. This is your third day. Third day of breakthrough. This is your third day of blessing. Rita. This is your third day, Lillian. This is your third day, Shimon. Third day. This is the third day for you and your family. I prophesy over you. Things will be vastly different for you than they were before. This is your third day. 
declares the Lord your third day of blessing come on lift your hands and worship the Lord for our third day of all of the children will know the blessing of the Lord it'll for you and your family third day your third day declares the Lord for you and your family and the third day everyone say my property will be purchased and even my second property will be purchased declares the Lord third day of breakthrough lift your hands and worship him third day of blessing I will do wonders for you declares the Lord I will amaze you I will amaze you by what I do I'll do wonders for you amazing things for you I declare a third day over the house I declare a third day over every family every business every child every adolescent every husband every wife third day for you third day third day declares the Lord and I will come close to you and I will be intimate with you share some confidences with you show you some secrets declares the Lord in your third day in your third day we bless you father lift up your hands and thank you we worship you we worship you come on the voice of thanksgiving let's be like Jonah let's thank him thank him a release from confinement every limitation is broken in the name of the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving father we thank you with the voice of thanksgiving we bless you with the voice of thanksgiving we honor you God hallelujah hallelujah